Welcome to the SJ Child Show, where a little bit of knowledge can turn fear into understanding. Enjoy the show. Introducing Safe Space Staging for Kids, creating smiles every step of the way. At Safe Space Staging for Kids, we believe that every child's journey to the dentist should be filled with comfort and confidence. Our mission, to turn dental visits into positive adventures. Imagine a world where dental chairs feel like cozy thrones and waiting rooms are transformed into magical kingdoms. That's the power of our dental staging. We're here to banish dental anxiety and create a safe, soothing environment where kids can be themselves. With vibrant colors, playful decor, and a touch of imagination, we're changing the way children experience dental care. Join us on this journey of smiles, giggles, and happy checkups. Because for us, every tooth deserves a little magic. Hi, and thanks for joining the SJ Child Show. Today, I am so excited to have a guest back on the show, Ron Sanderson, who is a fellow friend and author. And so we're going to get into all the other things he does because he's much more than just that. But um, let's uh, give him a wonderful welcome. Thanks for coming today, Ron. Oh, thanks so much. And thanks for having me on your show. I got in my background um, all my daughter's beautiful artwork. She's seven years old. She just broke her um, elbow when she was running for a ball and slipped on it and caught herself and then had a hairline fracture right at the top of her elbow. So she's going to be out of the cast in about two to three weeks. Oh, good. So it's coming up to the healing deadline. Well, her artwork looks beautiful. She looks like she loves rainbows and colorful things. So that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself for those who haven't heard the previous interviews with you, introduction, and then we'll kind of go into what you've been working on. So my name's Ron Sanderson, and um, I'm an author with autism, and also I have a unique gift, or 15,000 Bible verses memorized, word perfect. I'm going on 15 years working in the mental health field at Havenwick Hospital. I'm also a part-time professor going on 20-plus years at Destiny School of Ministry, and then I speak at about 70 events a year on autism during April for Autism Acceptance Month. I spoke the final week to over 3,500 students in five schools. So I do a lot of speaking, a lot of travel. My next travel out of state of Michigan will be in Minnesota in August. I'm going to Mall of America for the first time, and I'll be doing some speaking events in churches and other organizations. Oh, congratulations, Ron. That'll be so much fun. And a lot of value for people to be able to come to your presentations and learn a lot about you and a lot about autism. And tell us a little bit about the um, the presentations, kind of what you talk about when you go. And I love the cat, by the way. It's gorgeous. Yeah, the cat's right here. She's kind of <laughs> making an appearance, right? Her, um, favorite oh, chair. That is too funny. <laughs> A bunch of presentations around the country, and some of the main topics I speak on is autism and employment, empowering your child with autism to thrive in life, learning challenges that children with autism experience, and how to use those special gifts and develop those for employment, 
I'm currently working on a book on mental health. And um, I speak on probably about 20 different topics. I even speak on theology at certain mm. conferences that have um, conferences on theology. When did you start having an interest in the scripture and the Bible study? Um, when did that really start to develop for you? So I started memorizing scriptures in 1994, my junior year of high school. In my first year, I memorized over 2,000 Bible verses. And I memorized that year the whole Sermon on the Mount, the book of James, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And I memorized most of Matthew in that first year. Now I have over 15,000 Bible verses memorized. And I usually memorize at least one a week still. So I keep up with the verses I had memorized, and I memorize a few new ones every once in a while that I'll find a verse that I really like and then memorize it. But most of the main parts of scriptures, I'll have it memorized from one section of scripture, some in the synoptic gospels where it's mentioned in Mark, Matthew, Luke. I'll memorize one section of it, and then I'll memorize the variant verses of it where it's different in the different um, gospels. So I do that also. How long do you think it takes you to uh, memorize a verse? So it takes me probably about 20 minutes to have the verse down forever. Wow. That's incredible, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Incredible. And have you ever had the working, um, your working memory speed tested? Do you know what that percentage is? I can tell you, um, I can do 800 verses. In about two hours. Yeah. 850 so versus fast. two hours and 15 minutes. So, yeah, I got to do them real quick. And, and that's such a gift and such a beautiful talent that you have. And, you know, I can see that in my own son who has the, the abilities with just other interests. Right. And that's the thing about finding what you love and being able to really immerse yourself completely in that. And that's fascinating. So how about when you're working like with your daughter, for instance, what are some um, skill techniques that you are working with with her right now as she's seven, you said? Yeah, seven years old. So one of the things we're working with her right now is um, fun art activities. She really Mm -hmm. likes art. So we do things like um, those balls where you shake them and the snow comes down you can get those at target five below and you put little figurines in there you put the snow in there and then you can put them together mm-hmm. we're also working on calico um the cats where they have the ones where you paint them and put them together and a lot of art really moves into the reading time so we can do is say we'll do a fun activity then we're going to do our 30 minutes of reading tonight so we've been keeping up with reading we're going to do more math when she gets in the second grade right now she's in first grade so the main thing this school is really focusing in on is reading for parents to read so we got a bunch of fun books for her to read like go dog go and all the classic ones good and it really is in that um, finding what they love, what, what's, does she love to learn about? You know, those are the things 
get those types of books and do those types of activities because that's where you'll see all the growth, you know, and, and have that empowerment within her to have confidence. And it's, it's almost like, and you know, she's, is she's your only child? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, we only have one child. Yeah. You are we just still got young. Her for <laughs> birthday, we got her um, two guinea pigs who, guinea and honey. I saw that. How is so that going? That's going good. They're, the guinea pigs, the one's way bigger than the other guinea pig, even though they're only about two weeks so in age, but they seem to get along with each other. So good. that's a good thing. And the dog likes to go in there and do his <laughs> pounding of the, on the cage. <laughs> so we gotta keep him away from the cage because he's a Jack Russell and oh. at heart he's an a, a animal that likes little animals. Yeah. So he goes after them every time he sees them. Oh my gosh, that's funny. How is it managing, you know, traveling and being a parent? Um, obviously you have your wife who I'm sure is is a great part of helping with that um that part of it. How do you balance that out in your life right now? So I think part of it is doing fun activities and having the whole family go. So I'm going to be going Saturday to speak in Detroit. So I'll bring my daughter and wife. I'm going Sunday. I'm speaking at a church in Warren, Michigan. So I have my family go there. And then um, Thursday, I'm speaking at uh, um, a cat's tail. Just <laughs> I'm speaking at a Rotary Club, and that's near home and it's when my wife works so i'll go by myself to mount clemens and speak so we always find nice restaurant to go to after i speak and get some good food so that helps out today uh, my when my daughter gets home we're going to the pool we'll be enjoying that so i try to do my work in the morning and i work at a hospital full-time but what i do is i work three days a week two 12-hour shifts each time and then one 16 hours. So in three days, I got all my hours done. And then I got four days off to be at home and travel and speak. So it helps a lot by Mm -hmm. doing that. And with the holiday week, and I ended up having to work four days straight, one day off, and then I'll work another day, and then I'll have four days off. So it helps Mm -hmm. a lot to be able to have hospital hours where they're 12 hour shifts or 16 hour shifts. So you don't have to work so many hours um, over a long period of time, mm-hmm. it takes away from days off. So I get a lot of days off. So it helps. And I've been there 15 years. So I also earn 10, do- or 10 hours off every two weeks, which gives me more time to speak. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So I earn a day off every two weeks on That's top of that. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that is really helping. So when you go and you're doing your speaking, um, tell us about uh, like what that might look like. Are they generally like paid events or free events? What does that look like for you? How is that? How can we help support you in that? So I do a lot of paid events where I go and speak to churches, autism organizations, schools, and then um. I speak to a lot of different audiences, but what I do is I tailor make my audi- my message for each audience I speak to. And I have three rules I have in speaking. First, I have a hook. I have two minutes to gain everyone's attention while I'm speaking, so I hook them in, which causes them to look. They look at the message and want to hear more. Then I have book. I have content where they come away learning something that they can um, use. Then I have took. So after they hear my message, there's something they can apply 
to their life or to their kid's life with autism or that they didn't know before and they can um, use that to help their kid or help their student or help someone they meet on the autism spectrum. So I always try to include those three things in my message. And then with my writing of my books, I try to interview unique people, share their information, share um, their insight, and um, provide it for the people who are reading my articles or reading my books so that they are able to come to their pastor or come to their um, principal and say, hey, let's let Ron come and speak at our school or our church or our organization. So I get a lot of speaking engagements from other speaking engagements, a lot of word of mouth. That's one of the ways I'm able to promote autism. Mm -hmm. I still haven't gone to Utah to speak. (laughs) I've been to Salt Lake City when I was about eight or nine years old, but I'd love to come to Salt Lake City and speak there if there's any pastors out there listening or any autism organizations. Yeah, I can fly in and do a message and fly out. Let's talk about your book too and um, talk a little bit about that so people know where to go find the information and what kind of uh, information they can look for. So my first book, Parents Guide Autism, Practical Advice, Biblical Wisdom, was published by Charisma House, and it was a top-selling Christian book on parenting all time. I've sold in person about 2,000 copies. Charisma House um, sold over 5,000 copies. It was in Barnes & Nobles, Amazon. I interviewed 50 of the most influential people in the world who work in the autism community, people like Dr. Lynn Coiney, the founder of the UCLA Autism Center. I share insight from people like Temple Grandin. I've now presented with Temple Grandin three times, once in person, twice during um, on Zoom with um, the COVID when it was out for three years. I missed out on a lot of in-person yeah. speaking events with the people who I normally present with. My third book, Views from the Spectrum, A Window in the Life and Faith, your neurodivergent child. I love the cover. Love it looks that. Like, uh, a face. It looks like um, something I from have like my Avatar. Right over here. <laughs> and um, Dr. Trefford, who developed the character Rain Man and actually mentored and interned under Dr. Leo Canner, the person who coined the word autism in Maryland in the 1900s, 1940s. He wrote the foreword for that book and it shares the stories of 20 unique people on the autism spectrum. Rachel Barcelona, who was Miss Tampa, now is Miss Florida, and hopefully you'll be Miss America. She's going to be competing for it soon. Her story's in there. Armani Williams, a NASCAR driver. Tarko, a pro baseball player. Um, His career, though, was cut short when he got hit by a baseball and broke his arm and Mm -hmm. hasn't come back since. So there are unique people on the autism spectrum. And I share scripture, parenting advice, and um, enable you when you read the book to come away feeling hope for your child. Every mm-hmm. copy I sign of that, I use 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now these remain faith, hope, and love, but the grace sees as love. Because it takes love and faith to see your kid with autism or student with your autism thrive in life. 
I love that, Ron. I was going to ask you what your favorite um, scripture was. So I'm glad that you said that you signed it with that because that's really meaningful for so many. And it really does. It takes a lot of um, patience, understanding, which comes with that faith and hope and really leaning into your um, the love that you can offer your child in that kind of leads you down the journey of how you can best support them. So wonderful, wonderful advice for that. So what's up next for you? What do you have any books or more speaking engagements? I sounds like a lot of those coming up. Yeah. So one of the things I'm focusing on right now is speaking more in schools, being able to speak to students on autism and acceptance and neurodiversity. I'm also working on writing a fifth book on on uh, mental health. This one's not going to be on autism, but mental health. I finished my fourth book, Autism, Growth, and Transitioning Adulthood. I'm just waiting for the publisher I'm with to get it out there and get it published. I'm still in the phase of um, contract, so hopefully they'll get it quick. And then um, by next April, the book will be out. A lot of times, traditional publishers, they take longer. covid um, caused a lot of publishing companies to be behind on their editing. Mm. So it's um, caused them to take a lot longer to get the books out there. So I'm hoping to get that book out there soon. And in Minnesota, going there in August and just working on um, more speaking engagements. Today I'm working on getting ordained in the Assemblies of God. So I had to mm. send out all my references. I got to print out all the um there's three parts there, test, Bible knowledge, um, polarity knowledge, which is leadership knowledge, and then doctrine knowledge. So I've been working on that. That's going to take a while to get all that done. I got to get that done by the end of August, taking the test and having them check with all my references. But I'll be yeah. the first Assemblies of God minister ordained on the autism spectrum. And they have thousands of ministers. Across the United States, there's over 50,000 um, Assemblies of God ordained licensed mm-hmm. ministers, and I'll be the first on the spectrum. That's wonderful, Ron. And but it shows you that their yeah. um, numbers don't add up with the amount of people on the spectrum. If 5% of people are on the spectrum, then there should be at least 1,000 out um mm-hmm. 50,000 where that's not the case. Yeah. And probably, and as you and I well know, probably unknown for those people as well. Um, some of them possibly, and isn't that it? It's interesting. What's your current um, opinion about our diagnostic process today? As I mean, it's gotten so much better, but what can we do better? I think what we need to do better is not diagnosis so much, but we need to say that autism is a lifelong disability. And we all agree on that. Since it's a lifelong disability, you have lifelong benefits. So if you're diagnosed on the autism spectrum, you get lifelong health insurance. And I think that that would um, make people more willing to hire people on the autism spectrum. Right now, we're seeing these people come in from overseas, and they'll give them free health care. Why would you give them free health care where the number of them, there's more pe- there's probably the same number of people with autism. You could easily give that to people with autism. 
And then um, yeah. people would be more willing to hire them because then they don't have to pay the benefit of health care. So it makes it financially secure for people to hire autism. We're competing against these people on visas. Why not say for every visa you give, you have to hire someone with mm-hmm. autism? I love and it. Then <laughs> make it connected to it. And you make them train that person with autism when the five years are up with the visas for that person with autism steps in, that person goes back. They have some money to go back to where they are, but they're not um, coming here and um, taking jobs from people with disabilities. And that's what we're having happen, because why would you hire an American or an autistic person when you have to pay Social Security when you could get a visa and hire someone not have to pay Social Security? So it's mm-hmm. draining the funds that people with autism, draining the funds where people with disabilities, people are aging who put in all their life into Social Security by not making these H-1B-1s, F-2s, and other visas, visa L, pay Social Security, you're diminishing Social Security and creating a situation where people with autism could be in trouble in the future when the Mm -hmm. funds aren't there. And we need to quit that. And we need to actually make it a higher amount because we know that some of these people on visas are bringing people in. We need to make it so, too, that um, people with autism are offered those jobs first because they're good at IT, good with attention to detail and other things. And put mm-hmm. money away if you hire them and you're saying there's not enough of them, you, the visa's connected for the amount for that year they're here, there's someone, they're paying a year education in IT to replace that um, person who's coming in from overseas so that they don't have to rely on overseas networking. Wow. That's a fantastic perception that I hadn't even thought of. So I'm glad that I asked you so that we can give more thought about that. Because I think that when we when we can ask actually autistic adults what uh, situations they see in the future that can better the society of especially the autistic community, I think it's important that we listen. We give these type of platforms, the platforms like you give to others to share their stories and really help people, especially families with younger um, kiddos that need some guidance and assistance, an idea of what to work for and what to um, to advocate for in the future for their own children. So wonderful advice. And, and I love that you shared that with us. Oh, thanks so much. Absolutely. Well, tell us where we can go to find you. You have a website and all of that good stuff. Yeah, so my website is spectruminclusion.com. It gets first on Google. You can find my books in Barnes and Nobles. You can find my books in Amazon. My main book is Parents Guide to Autism, Practical Advice, Biblical Wisdom. And my second most popular book is Views from the Spectrum. A Window in Life and Faith, Your Neurodivergent Child. You can also find me on Facebook at Spectrum Inclusion, Ron Sanderson. And um, I can be reached at ronsanderson456 at hotmail.com. I always respond to my emails. So I'd love for to get an email and be able to respond. Yeah, thank you so, so much. That's wonderful. I'm really glad that we got to catch up and I know that you're doing so many wonderful things in the community and um, really helping out with educating. Um, looks like we're having a visitor come <laughs> as everything shakes down. <laughs> DJ, this is Ron. Can you say hi for a moment? 
Hi. Hi there. DJ special interest right my now owls. are beanie boos. Owl beanie boos. My owls are <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> A little crash and burn there. Oh, it's so nice to catch back up with you today. And I'm excited to share the books again with everyone. And on my okay, okay, why don't you go down and help dad? Okay, we'll start. I'll, I'll start that end part again and we'll re edit that part. <laughs> uh-huh. Silly goose. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here again today, Ron. And I'm excited to share the information about the books and your speaking engagements. We wish you all the best with the um, ordainment services or, you know, that you're going through that situation. So I'm so excited for you. And it's just always a pleasure to be able to connect and share your story. Thanks so much for having me here. I'll end on a quote. Any fool can see an apple on a tree, but it takes vision and dedication to see that orchard and that apple seed. Mm, I love that. Thank you so, so much. Wonderful way to finish off a great conversation and we'll definitely be in touch.